Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny. Welcome you back to Guys Guys Radio. It's been a great summer. This is my first live show in two months. I've been on the road. I've been working on a book. I've been doing lots of stuff. I've been traveling. I've been to the West Coast. I've been to the Jersey Shore. I've been to New York City. Nothing too elaborate, but we're back now. We're back on Guys Guys Radio, the place where when men and women can be at their best, everyone wins. And I'm excited about our show because this is my favorite show of the year because it's about fantasy football. And I've been playing in the league for years and years and I have a lot of fun with it. And our draft is coming up next Tuesday. I don't know when your draft is. Uh, some people have already had their drafts, but the hype machines are in full throttle now. We've got all kinds of people, pundits and analysts and experts, talking about fantasy football. It's like an American tradition now because it's not just guys. The ladies are into fantasy football too. Football is a perfect game for television. You know, it goes from left to right and right to left. It's a field is set up like our big screen TVs are. And there's so much football on TV. So it's exciting. So our special guest tonight is Scott Sweeney, the fantasy football Sherpa. And he's going to take us into his Draft day domination strategies. We're waiting for him to call in and we'll put him right on. So let's talk a little bit about my trip. Uh, so this summer, I had a couple of things. Uh, first, I spent, and I'll be writing about it too, but I spent about about four weeks down the Jersey Shore. And it was just me and my five-year-old son. And I took him to uh, a swim camp and, a, and then also like a day camp every day. And he really uh, made a big leap ahead with swimming. And then I took some lessons. You know, swimming's an interesting thing. I'm a runner, and I've run three marathons, and I love to run. I've gotten better over the years. But it's a big difference between swimming and running. I can tell you, the workout's completely different. You've got to get a different rhythm. I get gassed just doing one lap in the pool because I didn't have the right technique for breathing and rhythm and muscle memory. But over the summer, I've gotten a lot better at it. And as I make my transition to more running and more uh, swimming and probably less running over the years uh, because it's less stress on the body, I'd love to run. But uh, I know, uh, you know, over time, I'm lucky that I'm a boomer and I'm still running because so many of us aren't anymore. But uh, it's, a, it's a special thing to learn to swim. And I've never a good swimmer. And now I'm getting pretty decent at it, and I really enjoy it. So I'm looking forward to that, and uh, I've gotten a lot better. Now my uh, son, as I mentioned, got a lot better too. So we spent some uh, time down the Jersey Shore, and then I took a trip with my family, my wife and son. We went out to San Diego where we have some family out there, and uh, it was fantastic. We have uh, my mother-in-law's there and my sister-in-law and brother-in-law and 
uh, a uh, niece-in-law, whatever that is referred to as. And uh, we spent 10 days in San Diego. My wife wants to move out there. We've been in New York City for a long time. I'm open-minded on it. I have a place at the Jersey Shore and a place in the city, so I'm pretty set here, but she really wants to go. She's had it with New York and uh, with the city, and I can understand that after a while. You know, it gets to be uh, – it can be a tough place unless you're really raking out a lot of money. Uh, New York's a very expensive place to live, but good place uh, if you have property. Wow, you can make some money. Unfortunately, I uh, invested in uh, real estate a couple times in the city and done pretty good, so – uh, thrilled about that. So anyhow, what did we do in San Diego? Well, we did it all. In 10 days, we went to Legoland. A lot of it, uh, most of it was for my son. Legoland, SeaWorld, Soak City, which is like a water park connected to SeaWorld. Uh, we went to a San Diego Padres game at Petco Park, which is an absolutely gorgeous uh, place to watch a baseball game. It's so nice uh, and so relaxed. Uh, the team's not very good. But, you know, the night I went, they played, uh, actually, they played the California, the L.A., Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, I guess you call them. And uh, it's only the second time they've ever played at uh, Petco Park. So, and they had a promotional night. It was like a throwback night. So the Padres wore their 1991 kind of blue and kind of red, reddish orange, burnt orange unis. Uh, very cool. And, um uh, and the Padres lost, of course, at the end of the game. I've been tracking them this year, and it seems like they get to the, to the last three innings and they blow a lot of one-run leads and lose by a run a lot. And then the exact same thing happened. And then I was listening to a game uh, over that weekend, and the same thing happened. But um, it was fun to watch uh, the game. There was probably as many Angels fans as Padres fans at the game. But a great, just an absolute great place. I mean, I love Yankee Stadium. I love the electricity and the energy there, but at the stadium itself and where it's situated, uh, Petco Park, absolutely gorgeous. Um, everybody said, oh, don't drive there. You'll never get, you'll never be able to park. It gets so crowded and I'm a New Yorker. I figured, well, whatever. So I went uh, and uh, I went on a uh, spot hero and reserved a parking space down at the convention center, which is right across the street from the stadium got a reserve spot. It was $15. And uh, you just walk across the highway. There's a, there's an archway that goes across and that was it. So it was actually pretty easy. So most of the things that we, we just deal with here in New York, uh, people in other places seems to think it's like a big thing. The parking was absolutely nothing, but, uh, and we had a, a fun time. It was a perfect weather. Uh, I was actually, when I was out, there was a heat wave going on in San Diego. So it was, High 80s, searing sun every day, but we went swimming in the Pacific. What else did we do? We went to Del Mar, Encinitas, Old Town, Little Italy, the Gas Lamp District, the Midway, a big ship on the Midway. It's kind of like our Intrepid here in New York, and uh, Knott's Ferry Farm, which is very cool. If you've never been to Knott's Ferry, Ferry Farm, it's like an old uh, analog version of Disneyland, if you will, old kind of Western-themed park and it's a lot of fun. And my son had a, he's five. And we thought that, well, maybe we'll wait a year or two for Disney um, and get him something a little more uh, user-friendly. And uh, sure enough, he loved Knott's Berry Farm over everything. And I had a great time there too. It was nice to walk around. So we had a great week and uh, came back. And then I took my son back down the Jersey shore for a week 
and we did some more swimming. And, uh, and now I came back to the city. I haven't been back all summer to do Guys Guys Radio with my man, my pal, Scott Sweeney, the fantasy football Sherpa. So we're going to get into the show, and we're going to spend the remaining 50 minutes or so on fantasy football, getting you ready for your draft. I hope you enjoy it. Um, again, it's Robert Manny, the host of the show. Um, you can catch me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. My novel, where this whole Guys Guys movement started, is called The Guys Guys Guide to Love. It's a novel about love, sex, power, and money and advertising and relationships. And as a result, we launched Guys Guys Radio a few years ago. The audience continues to grow. Thank you, audience. And we talk to people, experts in all different areas, relationship coaches, spiritual uh, healers, channelers, mystics, psychics, comedians, fantasy sports experts. And we've got a whole lineup of different types of guests uh, coming out out, uh, this fall. So I can't wait. We're booked all the way into November now. So looking good. So let's take a very quick break. And then we'll come back and we'll bring out our special guest, the fantasy football Sherpa, Scott Sweeney. You're listening to the Guys Guy Radio. All right, we're back at Guys Guys Radio. At the long summer, August 29th, our last show of the summer, it is our 307th podcast. And again, it's usually one of my favorite, if not my most favorite of the year, because I love talking about fantasy football. <clears throat> and we've got a real expert here. So let's bring him on right now. Scott Sweeney. He uh, runs his own podcast, Fourth and Inches, and he's got the fantasy sports uh, Sherpa. He'll give us all of his uh, social media information. But he is a tried and true rotisserie baseball, fantasy football, just all around fantasy sports expert. So welcome to the show, Scott. How are you? Hey, Robert. Great. Thanks for having me again. Well, uh, tell us what's going on in your world. What's going on with the Fantasy Sports Sherpa before we get into uh, football? I'm just gearing up for the football site. Um, got the projections there. Just uh, We've uh, blown the dust off the podcast and started that up. So yeah, just having a lot of fun with it, doing lots of drafts and uh, enjoying the, the whole lead up to the football season. Fantastic. Um, how many this year, how many fantasy football drafts and auctions and whatever are you going to be participating in? About half a dozen, which is seriously cutting back from uh, my peak before I got married a few <laughs> years ago. I was probably up to 10 or 12, but uh, in the interests of uh, my marriage and other things, <laughs> I decided to cut back a little bit. Okay. Good. And what are some of the trends going on now? I mean, uh, let me put that into some context. We have, uh, you know, we have PPR leagues. My league uh, is a standard league and we voted on PPR last year. I thought it would for sure it would go through. I didn't vote for it because I like I didn't want the change because it was right before the draft. Somebody wanted to change it. I'm like, no, 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 you can't. You got to do it for the following year. Anyhow, we're standard. And then I see there's PPR and now there's a uh, uh, half PPR and there's a lot of auctions. And what, what do you find is the most popular and what are some of the trends just in overall fantasy football itself? I, I think the, the standard format that you play and also the PPR are still the two most popular or most common formats. I think the half PPR is 
gaining traction sort of as a compromise between the, the two extremes, if you will, if you will, of uh, counting and not counting the receptions. And then auctions are a whole different animal. They're not as common or as popular for football as they are for baseball because I think the mm-hmm. typical fantasy baseball uh, part, league participant tends to be a little bit more hardcore than the typical right. fantasy football league participant, but still, you know, those are a lot of fun for football as they are for baseball. Uh, just in terms of trends, the main thing that I see, you know, there's always the pendulum going back and forth between, you know, whether to take running backs early or not. And I think the combination of more and more teams, you know, probably at least half of them now using a running back by committee, that that's, you know, putting a greater value on the teams, on the running backs that are, you know, the, the clear number ones on their team. And then also just a general NFL trend last year, there was slightly more uh, total yards gained um, from you know, rushing than there had been the year before. So the, the pendulum, the, the scale is still tilted about two thirds, one third in terms of passing yardage you know, versus rushing yardage and the way you know, teams uh, gain yards on offense. But mm-hmm. there's been an ever so slight shift back towards the rushing um, in the last year or two. And I think part of that might have to do too with the number of rookie coaches that there have been, you know, the rookie coaches tend to be a little bit more conservative on offense. So yeah, that could also partially explain why, you know, the pendulum has swung back towards running backs a little bit. Okay. Let's, let's start. I was going to start with quarterbacks, but let's start with running backs because as you mentioned, uh, there's a lot of rookies. There's, there's this pendulum has swung back. What I am finding, and I've found this over the years, I just stayed with the running back thing because what my contention is that once you get into the season, you know, sure, teams can flip running backs like a guy like Kenyon Drake. He, he, he broke into the starting lineup and things like that happen. Uh, but there's only a certain amount of running backs. And, you know, if you, you either have them or you don't. And when you don't, you don't. And it's hard to trade and to get a good starting running back because there's not, not a lot of, not a lot of bell cows who play third down and not a lot of primaries anymore. Whereas with wide receivers, it seems like there's always some guys, you know, look at Jaguars. They had Keelan Cole came out of nowhere. DD Westbrook, pretty decent came out of kind of nowhere. There always seems to be some wide outs. I mean, you're going to have your handful of the, you know, the uh, Antonio Browns and the D hop and the, uh, OJB and Julio, Julio Jones and AC, AJ Green. So, but when you get deeper, it seems like there's a lot of guys get out there and play. There's three wideout positions. There's the two wideouts in the slot. So, what's your feeling from your own experience and your own strategy in terms of valuing uh, running backs versus wide receivers at the top end of the draft? For the, just for the simple reasons of supply and demand, which you were just outlying I think you know I'm I'm definitely in the camp of draft running backs early and often and some of that will depend on the particulars of your of your scoring system and also just roster requirements I mean one I mean the standard league you think two running backs three wide receivers and the flex that you can start that would be either a running back or a wide receiver and sometimes a tight end Mm -hmm. there's one league I play in where there's two running backs two wide receivers and two flex positions that can be filled by either a running back or a wide receiver. So in a case like that, you know, it wouldn't be unusual for me to spend my first three, maybe even 
you know, all four of my, you know, top four picks on running backs if I think, mm-hmm. you know, the, there's value there. So, yeah, it's a lot easier to fill in on wide receiver than uh, running back, as you alluded to. Okay. Let's, let's get a little granular with some names. Oh, by the way, uh, for our listeners, if you want to call in, ask the Sherpa question, um, 347-945-5834, 347-945-5834. I know uh, looking at my stats, you know, so many of our listeners listen uh, on demand, if you will. That's cool. But if you do have a question, now's the time to do it because uh, the drafts are coming up if you haven't already had a couple. So anyhow, let's let me put this into context. So let's take the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, if you had you're in a league, let's say, and you can have three keepers. So there's a lot of guys taken off the board. Let's say there's 30, 36 guys taken off the board up to 36 off the board. And you have your pick second round coming around and the top, you know, all the top receivers are gone. And you're left with a choice of Joe Mixon running back on the Bengals or A.J. Green running back uh, wide out on the Bengals. And you already have a couple of running backs in the bank and you're going to pick up one of the uh, stud. You have a stud receiver also. So you've got two running backs. You've got a stud receiver. Who do you take Mixon or A.J. Green? My gut reaction would be A.J. Green there. You know, he's a top five performer at his position. He's proven he's got a stable quarterback situation there. So, yeah, Mixon has the potential to be a, a stud running back. But if you've already kept a couple of them, and you know, I, I would say definitely A.J. Green would be my choice there. Okay. All right, let's, let's, let's dig into some of the uh, other running backs. Now, um, Barkley on the Giants. Is he, he's going in the first round. Is he being overvalued or is he right where he should be? Because the Giants have a questionable offensive line. They've got some unbelievable weapons on the outside. I personally am not an Eli fan. I think he's, I think he's lost it. But um, this kid coming in, he's got all the hype in the world. And, you know, he had a great start to training camp. What's your sense? Is he being overvalued or right where he should be? I would probably consider him in the late, mid to late first rounds. Uh, there's there's probably seven or eight guys that I would pick ahead of him. And you know, I, I draw the comparison with uh, Ezekiel Elliott a couple years mm-hmm. ago in Dallas, which I'm sure, you know, since you're a Cowboys yep. fan, you know, yep. you were – happy about that when he led the NFL in rushing as a rookie. I don't see that kind of um, performance for Saquon Barkley. I think that, you know, for the reasons that you mentioned there, you know, especially the offensive line, they made a couple of changes there, but I'm not convinced yet until I see it in the season. You know, they've got, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. there who's going to soak up a lot of targets. So, you know, he's, you know, Potentially a top five running back, but I think anybody that thinks you know he's going to have as good a rookie season as Ezekiel Elliott did a couple of years ago is going to be sorely disappointed. Now, if you had a choice between Barkley and OBJ, who would you take? I probably would take Barkley. Just again, you know, I'm assuming it's the first. I'm we're. Mm-hmm mid to late first round, you know, just yep. my bias towards running backs would, would probably, you know, lead me to take uh, Barkley, even if it were a, a PPR league. Okay. All right. Let's get into some more names and teams. Uh, let's go to the other end of the spectrum. Here's an oldie, but goodie. 
Adrian Peterson somehow looks like he might be starting and be the first two down back on the Redskins. What do you think? Tenth rounder? I would pardon? Tenth round maybe? Yeah, I mean, if you want to speculate on him uh, late in the draft, sure, but I think I'm not even convinced that he's going to be the leading rusher on his team when it's always said and done. You know, they still have Samaje, you know, P. Ryan there. You know, they still have, um, um, yeah, they still have uh, Robert Kelly there and Chris mm-hmm. Thompson, of course. So I just, you know, it's, it's a great story. And, you know, for his sake, you know, I hope it works out. But, you know, the odds are against him just based on both numbers and, you know, history, you know, with, you know, running backs over the age of 30, you know, typically not uh, holding up very well. Okay. Let's get into some other teams. Uh, the Jets have Isaiah Crowell, and he's only, I think he's like 25, and he's been pretty much uh, overlooked. I mean, Belay Powell, I think, is a nice complimentary back. What do you think of this kid? I mean, uh, he might have something, but the Jets have problems with their offensive line also, and they have a rookie quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, he he seems really talented when he came into the league a few years ago with the Cleveland Browns, but was never really able to put it all together. If I had to pick mm-hmm. between one or the other, I would take uh, Crowell over Powell, but yeah, I I wouldn't want either of those guys as anything more than a flex uh, on my team. Okay. Let's get into some more of the new guys. Uh, we mentioned Mixon before. How about uh, he's a second-year guy? Uh, I, you know, I would assume you would agree that Cook on the on the Vikings is going to be a first-round pick, and Kareem Hunt probably first-round pick. So, assuming that you agree, if you disagree, just let me know. But let's get no, into I agree some with of these both other. Of those. Okay, let's get into some of these new guys. You got Rashad Penny, who was a first-round pick by Seattle, and now they're saying he's kind of being overshadowed by Chris Carson. You've got Roland Jones on Tampa Bay, and he's being overshadowed by uh, the name uh, Peyton Barber. Peyton uh, Peyton Barber. And then you've got Royce Freeman on the Broncos, who seems to be shooting up the boards. And you've got uh, On Johnson, I think, is, is that the runner on uh, Detroit, yeah. who's in a kind of committee yeah. situation. And then you've got Nick Chubb, and then you've got the Colts. So let me just give them to you again, and maybe you can talk about these five kind of very fluid situations. Seattle, you've got Penny, and you've got Chris Carson. Tampa Bay, you've got Roland Jones and Peyton Barber. Denver, you've got uh, Royce Freeman and uh, Devontae Booker, I think. Booker, and then yep. you've got... You've got a group of guys, um, Abdullah, I think, who might get cut. And you've got Theo Reddick and somebody else on Detroit and Kerryon Johnson. And then on Cleveland, you've got Nick Chubb. And you've got, um, who's the guy who came over there who's from Ohio, oh, actually? Hyde, Hyde right? Oh, and, Hyde. Uh, yep. and then one more, you've got the Colts, who you have Marion Mack, and you've got two rookies. So give us your thoughts on those teams. Yeah, and if I could throw one more um, rookie into okay. the mix that you didn't mention, it would be Sony Michelle with the right. Patriots. Okay. And I think he's also, you know, he's hurt to start the season, mm-hmm. and Rex Burkhead looks like he's the nominal number one there, and they still have James White. But, you know, they seem to draft uh, 
they drafted Michelle in the first round, presumably with the idea of giving him the bulk of the carries. So um, of the names that you mentioned, I'm probably highest on Royce Freeman with Denver. You know, Devontae Booker didn't do much to impress last year, and that might be partly because the quarterback situation was a mess and defenses were able to key on the running game there, and that should be less of a problem this year with Case Keenum. But uh, I think um, of the rookie running backs, after Barkley, I would probably be most interested in Freeman with Denver. uh, Okay, hang on, hang on. Hang on, let's get a round for each one of these guys. Okay. Um, Freeman, probably third or fourth round, I think. Okay. Um, Michelle, fourth or fifth round, maybe even a little later than that. Um, Who else did we... Mentioned, let, me mentioned, make a, let me make a quick point. On Michelle, yeah. I kind of overlook him for a reason in that it seems like it's very hard to predict what Belichick is going to do with his running backs because I can't think of the last guy who just got the ball all the time. I know that Blount uh, you know, got, a, got, a, got the ball quite a bit two years ago, but um, it seems like Belichick doesn't like to just put the ball into one back's hands. And it seems, always seems to be – even the, I was surprised they took this guy in the first round because they seem to move the ball around a lot in terms of the running backs. And, and then you've got Brady who likes to throw and he's Tom Brady. Yeah. They're, yeah. And their wide receiver situation is a mess, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I, I agree there. It's, it's hard. I mean, they, you know, he's had a couple of guys, I think Ben Jarvis, Green Ellis from a number of years back who's you know, nominally a bell cow back and, um, you know, they, they had one other before him that I can remember in the Belichick era, but you're, you're right. For the most part, you know, that would uh, cause you to shy away from the you know, New England running backs. But I just, again, you know, logic would seem to suggest if they pick this guy in the first round that you know, they were mm-hmm. viewing him as more than a, a role player, even with the guys that they already have there. Okay. Well, let's keep going then. How about Seattle? Because that's a real interesting one where you've got – you know, they've got another guy they picked first round, Penny, and he seems to be overshadowed by Chris Carson, which was, you know, Chris Carson had a couple of good games at the end of last season, but nobody's like, nobody's been like screaming about Chris Carson, but now he's, he's climbing up the draft boards and, and Penny's sinking. And it's like, hmm, it's, I got, I, my gut is that, you know, Penny was drafted there for a reason and Seattle needs a running back and he's had a great career in college and Chris Carson is, he did well at the end of last year, but I got to think that Penny's going to get that job by midseason at the latest. Yeah, I, I tend to agree there. If I had to pick between the two of them, I would rather have Penny. But again, given that he's banged up to start the season, you could probably get him you know, at a pretty significant discount if you're not playing in a dynasty league. So again, you know, longer term for the season, I would think of Penny as being possibly a flex starter, but uh, yeah, I'm not, not as optimistic about uh, Carson's prospect. I, I would be very surprised if he held the job for you know, half the season. How about a round for Penny? Uh, I think now you might be able to get yep. him somewhere seventh, eighth round, I'm thinking. Wow. That would be sweet. Um Yeah. Okay, let's keep moving. Uh, Cleveland, you've got Carlos Hyde, who came over there, and you figured, okay, he's an Ohio guy. 
They're going to give him the ball. He wants to play there. He's pretty good for San Francisco. And then they draft Nick Chubb. And then uh, they've got uh, Duke Johnson also. What do you make of that situation, Scott? Right. Yeah, Duke Johnson, primarily a receiving back. They don't give him too many carries there. Um, between Hyde and Chubb, I think I'd, you know, I would expect that Hyde will get the bulk of the carries there you know, this year, even though they did, you know, and a high pick on on Chubb. So, yeah, Chubb may be a flex for me as the season goes on, but uh, Hyde is somebody that I'd probably be looking at um, more as a a starting running back. He's he's probably, um, if I look at my running backs, he's in my top 25, so I'm probably looking at him with a a third-round pick if he were still there. Third, okay. Third-round pick. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. All right. Um, let's get to the Tampa Bay Bucks, where you've got Roland Jones, who seems to have pooped in the bed so far, and he was supposed to get the job. And now Peyton Barber, who's never been really considered a real star, is seems to be the lead horse there. What do you think is going to happen? I mm, that one's tougher to predict. I would tend to avoid that situation altogether. If I had to pick one, I would pick Barber, but um, yeah, Charles Sims is also in the mix there. Um, and I just, you know, with, with um, Winston suspended for the first four games of the season, I just am not real optimistic mm-hmm. about right. their um, offense this year. I, I, I don't think their defense is going to be real good either, which means they'll probably spend more time, throwing than you would like and yeah when i add that all up i just really don't want any part of their backfield okay let's get to uh the lions then they've got another uh, situation you've got a new coach you've got a new offense well the offense coordinator i'm not sure if he's new but um most of the key a couple years yeah i i forget i'd have to look that up but um as far as their key skill position guys, you mentioned that they did you know, add, they've had an overhaul at running back, but they're end at, uh, at tight end, but you know, their receivers and their quarterback, which I think are really going to carry that team are both, you know, have been together for, for several years now. Um, and you know, I think that they're a, a top five offense this year, but again, wow. I think they're going to okay. do the bulk of the damage through the, Air and their uh, ground game, I think, is is too uh, muddled for me mm-hmm. to really want um, one of the. I mean, maybe I would if I had to pick one, it would probably be Johnson. If I were going to speculate on a guy that I would, you know, maybe be starting every week down the road, but you know, certainly not to begin the season. And you know, you could actually make the argument that Theo Riddick, their their pass catching back, is. You know, the most valuable guy on that team, especially in mm-hmm. uh, in PPR leagues. Right. Uh, give us a round on Johnson, since he's a rookie. And mm. again, I think just because he hasn't shown real well in preseason so far, I'm thinking he's probably there somewhere, you know, around six to eight, depending on the particulars of your league. Got it. Um, okay, Doug Martin had the job in Tampa Bay uh, last year, and uh, and now he's with the Raiders, and they've got Marshall Lynch. Marshall uh, is older, 
player and he was out for a year and he came back. I wasn't really wowed by him last year. He was on my avoid list, yet he got through the season and he's starting again this year. I'm surprised with Gruden and everything that they, he's, he's the man. And Doug Martin seems to be totally forgotten. Um, what's your sense of the, uh, the Raiders and uh, how they're going to approach the running game? And that's another team kind of like Tampa Bay that I don't expect to be very good this year and that I would, you know, try to avoid, you know, mm-hmm. you know getting players from their uh, team on my fantasy roster if I could help it. I mean, sure, they're going to have, you know, thousands and thousands of passing yards and somebody's going to catch the ball there. And, you know, Amari Cooper is probably a good bet as a wide receiver, but maybe, you know, Derek Carr is a, is a backup quarterback in a really deep league. Right. But, uh as far as Marshall and Lynch, again, kind of like the argument I made about Peterson before, I and mean, he's got time, you know, mm-hmm. working against him now. I think he's 32 now, 31, 32. So, you know, he's got that going against him. And, you know, any of those guys, Lynch, you know, Martin, you know, and uh, Jalen Richard there, yeah, I, I don't want those guys as anything more than a real speculative pick on the bench, although I'm sure somebody will take Lynch is a starting right. to flex back and probably someone down the you know, line in the draft will be picking Martin as a speculative pickup. But you know, to me, the main thing there is just I don't believe in Oakland's offense this year, so I would be trying to avoid all three of those guys. Okay. I, t- I totally agree with you on that. Let's, uh, let's go to the Colts, and then we'll use that as, seg- as a segue to get to quarterbacks. Cause let's start with their running back situation where they got Marlon Mack, I think, is going to be the starter, and they've got this kid Hilton, I think his name is, and they've got one other guy. What's your sense of how that uh, kind of shakes out? Yeah, I think that's another one where I'm not really sold on it. I mean, maybe a little bit more optimistic than I would be about, um, you know, Oakland or Tampa Bay, but, you know, given the uncertainty about Andrew Luck and his ability to stay healthy and throw the, the deep ball, yeah, Maybe I'm. I, I think Mac is Marlon Mack is probably the guy that I want in that backfield. But again, for me, he's the best uh, a flex mm-hmm. play, and you know, I'm probably not looking at him before the the fifth or sixth round. And that's coming from a guy that you know, you know, probably you know starts filling up the the bench with running backs uh, okay. more than most people do. All right, let me give you one more name. Um... And then we'll get into quarterbacks. We'll, we'll start with the Andrew Luck. But the, the last running back, I just jotted his name. Oh, Lamar Miller. Uh, because uh, Dante Foreman, it looked like uh, the team kind of wanted to kind of work him in. And then he's on the uh, PUP. And uh, now a lot of people are saying Lamar Miller with uh, Houston is going to have a big year. What do you, what's your sense? Yeah, you read different things about him depending on you know, how, how quickly Foreman uh, gets back. I like him as a second running back on my teams. You know, if I had a pick late in the second round, early in the third round, and he were still there, you know, I'd consider him, you know, he's for me kind of in the same neighborhood that uh, Jordan Howard with Chicago, Alex Collins mm-hmm. uh, would be, and, and the suspended Mark Ingram, you know, those guys I would kind of cluster together then, but you know, again, you probably, okay. you know, those guys still probably all available um, in the third round. Got it. Okay. I think you covered all the other names I had uh, jotted down. So thank you. Um, Andrew Luck, let's start. Well, let's move to quarterback. Andrew Luck, is he back? 
How do you rate him? And let's talk about, uh, let's get your opinion on the whole quarterback thing, because now the consensus out there is like, oh, quarterbacks, you can draft them in the 10th round and after. Um, Yet, um, you know, there's a couple of, you know, Aaron Rodgers, obviously, Deshaun Watson's kind of intriguing, Russell Wilson. And then you've got a lot of guys which I'm surprised, like Jared Goff. I thought Jared Goff should be a quarterback really on the way up who could break through. And he's like, you know, 15th or 16th ranked and saying like, you know, 12th round or something for him. It seems like the I'm not looking at the quarterback class the same way as all the experts are. So I want to get your opinion. Yeah, I'm not either. I would definitely rather have Jared Goff on my fantasy team this year than Andrew Locker or Jimmy Garoppolo, to, to name a couple guys. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, Deshaun Watson, I'm, yeah, again, I think their offense is going to be really uh, quite good this year. The defense will carry them, but I still think with him, they're probably a top five to ten offense. But the, the main thing about quarterback is that there's less uh, difference among the quarterbacks. There's less dispersion there than there is, you know, between the top running backs and the mediocre right. running backs. So, you mm-hmm. know, that's why people tell you to wait on quarterbacks. And, you know, generally I agree with that philosophy. I mean, if you ask me who my top rated quarterbacks for this year are, you know, I've got guys yes. like Matthew Stafford and Matt Ryan near the top of my list too probably aren't near the top of most lists and that's you know solely based on what I expect their offenses to be able to do this year. I'm totally with you on that, Sherpa, uh completely. How about some of these co- these rookies? These very interesting rookies. You got Darnold looks like he's gonna start for the Jets. You've got uh looks like Flacco has held off Lamar Jackson um pretty on uh, Baltimore. You've got um, Baker Mayfield, who is uh, behind uh, Tyra Taylor. And then we've got uh, ja Rosen on uh, Arizona behind Bradford. And we've got Josh Allen on Buffalo. So give us your thoughts on kind of the those headline rookies. I think Darnold definitely has to be at the head of the class just by virtue of the fact that he's got the starting gig you know, for week one now that the Jets traded away you know, Teddy Bridgewater today and you know, mm-hmm. Josh McCown is obviously a bench guy there now. So yeah, I think he moves to the head of that class in terms of who I would want to be drafting if I were in you know, taking rookies in the dynasty league. Uh, Josh Rosen, Arizona, I think they're going to have quite a good offense this year, which puts me in the minority. But you know, the point being that uh, Sam Bradford – I think he's a really talented quarterback when he can stay healthy, but he hasn't stayed healthy for a whole season in five or six years right. now. And yeah, I, again, you don't pick a guy ninth in the draft or whatever Arizona picks Josh Rosen and you know, and sit him for too long. So yeah, I think you know he, Lamar Jackson. I'll be surprised if uh, both of those guys aren't the starting quarterbacks for their respective uh, teams by opening day in 2019 and. Rosen, you know, I think there's a good chance that he plays at least half the season this year. Um, would you draft uh, the, Darnold, Scott? Scott? Uh, would I draft him as a second quarterback? Yeah. Maybe, mm-hmm. but um, generally I would avoid that situation again. You know, no offense because I know you're a big uh, Jets fan, but I, I don't expect their offense or their, their team overall to be very good this year. And yeah, if, if I had the luxury of time and maybe he was a second or third quarterback, 
you know, on a dynasty team, you know, I would consider it, but uh, he's, he's not somebody I would want to pin my fantasy hopes on for 2018. Now, if you had, uh, you know, had one of those pig in the Python quarterbacks, like a, like a, like a Jared Goff, so to speak, who's kind of a mid mid rounder, uh, but has a high ceiling. Would you, uh, who would you draft as like a, a second quarterback? Would you go above him or would you go below him or would you go equal? Like, would you go for a Russell Wilson or would you go for a Roethlisberger or would you go for a reach like a, a Darnold to just to keep him on the bench? What would, how would you be your strategy with that group of quarterbacks? That's probably, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth round. Yeah. Um, if you're picking Jared Goff, you're you're obviously doing that because you think that the Rams' offense is going to be, you know, pretty close to what it was last year, and that, you know, I, I think part of the reason he isn't drafted higher is people think, oh, it's you know, Todd Gurley is really the, you know, the the one that that offense revolves around, and you know, he's going to have 2,000 all-purpose yards this year, and you know, Goff is just kind of you know riding his uh, his. Uh, coattails then but uh, I I don't really see it that way but if you've got golf already I think you can probably you know rest assured that your quarterback situation will be in pretty good hands and yeah I would spend earlier picks than trying to load up on wide receivers and running backs then rather than Mm -hmm. trying to to grab a, a Tom Brady or a Cam Newton or a Russell Wilson or a Ben Roethlisberger Yep. Okay. I agree. You know, in my league, uh, like Garofalo, Deshaun Watson, Goff, all those guys were picked up mid-season last year. So they're all like 13th rounders or whatever. So a lot of guys are set with their quarterbacks at that position. So just wondering if you do that, you might as well just wait then. Uh, and just, as you say, load up on RBs and uh, wide receivers. Okay. Let's, uh, let's move to the wideouts. Um the top tier. Give us your rankings of uh, Antonio Brown, D Hop, Julio Jones, OBJ, and uh, who am I missing? AJ Green. I think I would put uh, Brown first in that room group. Jones second. DeAndre Hopkins third. AJ Green fourth. And uh, uh, Beckham. Odell Beckham fifth. I mean, not because I don't love him as a Giants fan, but I just think the Giants offense is is likely to struggle a lot this year, and uh, yeah, that's the main reason that I would put him mm-hmm. down in the rankings there. And there are a few other guys that I would sprinkle in, you know, Please. into consideration. There are guys like T.Y. Hilton, you know, mm-hmm. with Indianapolis who had a good season last year, even without Andrew Luck. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald in Arizona, Michael Thomas. Thomas in New Orleans, right. uh, mm-hmm. Doug Baldwin in Seattle, and uh, Golden Tate in Detroit. Those are all other guys that I would you know, rank just as highly as Odell Beckham Jr., which means that I'm not wow. getting Odell okay. Beckham Jr. then. Now, uh, interesting, um, and you're not the first person. I've been reading a lot of stuff, and I'm finally now reading stuff, stuff where they have Julio Jones ranked above uh, D-Hop and uh, A.J. Green and, um, and Beckham. And I've also seen it, you know, stirred up a lot of different ways. Is it just, you know, throwing darts at the board here or are you have specific reasons why you would rank um, Jones above D hop, for instance? Well, both I do a very, 
I do a very top-down approach when I'm doing my projections. So I spend a lot of time just, you know, trying to figure out, you know, the rankings, my rankings for the uh, team offenses. I probably spend just as much time on that, if not more so than the projections for the individual players. So, you know, once I figure out based on both just talent and how many of the guys are returning, you know, the, the key skill position, you know, Slots, you know how what how easy their schedule is. You know, I come up with the team rankings, and then after that, I start saying, okay, based on what they've done and you know what I think their personnel is this year, you know, how do I think they're going to split up the rushing versus passing yardage? And then once I've done that, then I figure out, okay, within the the passing yardage, how do I allocate it to the various receivers that they have and the various running backs they have? So, you know, I tend to do that. I think most of the people, when you start, you know, arguing right off the bat about, you know, is Odell Beckham Jr. in the same class as Julio Jones and Antonio Brown, they're probably just looking at those guys based on, you know, primarily on raw ability and name brand, brand name recognition rather than how good do they think the offenses are going to be this year? Because I think there's a big difference between how good, you know, Pittsburgh and Atlanta's offenses are going to be this year versus you know, how good uh, the Giants' offense Giants, is going yeah. to be. So uh, with Atlanta in mind, a lot of people are saying they're going to really be strong because their defense has gotten better and everybody's saying, okay, Matt Ryan's now going to be more accustomed to this new system that he picked up last year. And so as a result, everybody around them should benefit. What's your thoughts on Ryan and the Falcons? Uh, I I would tend to agree with that. I actually have Ryan as my second-ranked uh, quarterback behind Stafford. And, again, that just points out to the fact that, you know, if you take, you know, that kind of approach and, you know, worry more about how good you think the team offenses are than the, you know, the brand-name recognition for the individual players, then, you know, you're going to have some guys like Stafford and Ryan at the top of your quarterback rankings, and you can probably wait – you know, a lot longer to take those guys than you would if you're, you know, dead set on getting Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. So, you mm-hmm. know, I, I am optimistic about Atlanta and therefore, again, optimistic about Julio Jones and then, you know, you know looking down their, you know, receiver food chain, you know, also Mohamed Sanu and, and their uh, rookie wide receiver, Calvin Ridley. Right. What do you, what do you think a good slot for Ridley is? What round? Uh, just again, because I'm not convinced that he's going to outperform Sanu uh, this year. If I had to, you know, probably seven or eight, somewhere in there, mm-hmm. around seven or eight, maybe okay. even later. Let's stick with the rookies. Um, DJ Moore, um, I actually had a chance to keep Devin Funches, and I didn't. I threw him back because I had I had other good guys at, at value uh, and I, I, and having Funches last year, I don't think he really excelled that much. He was hit or miss when he uh, was the main guy. And now you've got DJ Moore. So let's talk about um, Funches, DJ Moore, and then we'll go into more of the rookie situations out there. You know, for me, I have them virtually identically, you know, projected in terms of numbers of catches and total yards. So, you know, I think you made the right call by not keeping Funches and it, it wouldn't surprise me at all if DJ Moore ends up leaving, leading the, the, you know, the um, Carolina Panthers in receiving yards this year. Would you uh, 
touch any of the receivers on the Cowboys, uh, most notably Hearns or uh, this kid Michael Gallup? Uh, Hearns could be a flex option, I think, and Michael Gallup is somebody that I would target as a leaper, you know, towards the end of a draft if he were still out there, because I think, you know, there's there's a clear path to him, you know, for him to you know, have significant playing time, you know, this year. You know, I, I don't think that, um, you know, Terrence Williams is, you know, really mm-hmm. going to, to keep him from uh, getting a lot of, uh, you know, touches this year. And actually right now, you know, the Cowboys depth chart, you know, Gallup is listed as number two, which is, you know, all the more reason to, Mm-hmm. You know, value him right now. Even Cole Beasley is ahead of Terrence Williams, so apparently wow. he's uh, on the outs there. How about a couple of names that have been around for a while, and they're almost, uh, for some reason, they're kind of interchangeable to me, even though they're different players. But Kenny Stills, uh, he's actually the number one on Miami, and then you've got Ted Ginn Jr., who's I believe on the Saints now, and they're they're often overlooked, but the, they're pretty solid flex guys. Yeah, I, I think. Between the two of them, um, I probably would rather. Yeah, they're they're both kind of bench guys for me. If I had to pick one over the other, I'd probably give a slight advantage to Stills. Yeah, you know, I'd rather have the you know the top ranked option in a you know, mediocre offense than the the second or third option in a really good offense. But um, even so, neither one of those guys is is more than a a bench player for me this year. Okay. Um, Josh Gordon, what's your sense? Big talent. Yeah, he's big talent. Yeah, just question. Yeah, he's a borderline starter or flex guy for me, but yeah, I I don't know that I. I mean, if you're going to speculate on a guy that hasn't really, you know, you know you know, that didn't have a big year last year or didn't play as much last year. You know, I, I would, I think I'd probably rather cast my lot with someone like Corey Davis with Tennessee this year than I would with uh, Josh Gordon. I mean, mm-hmm. I kind of have them ranked the same, but uh, there's, there's a lot more variability and risk with uh, Gordon yeah, I think I think right. than there is with uh, Corey Davis in Tennessee. All right, so let's talk about a couple of guys like Corey Davis and then Mike Williams of the Chargers, who were both highly touted last year. I had Corey Davis on my team. He was a wasted pick at six because of his injuries, and uh, and uh, Mike Williams got hurt. Um, so what's your sense of those two guys, sophomores that are kind of overlooked? Um, Mike Williams, I, I'm not totally sold on him yet. I mean, it wouldn't even surprise me if uh, Terrell Williams gets uh, – more yardage for the Chargers than than he does, but you know he's, okay. he's definitely highly touted and apparently has some chemistry with uh, Rivers. But um, I'm probably avoiding him in a in a redraft league in a in a one year league. Um, and about, I would uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, and I was just going to say I, I'd rather have uh, you know Corey Davis than than Mike Williams for sure. How about well, give me a round on Davis. Give us a round. Seventh or eighth round, maybe. I think he'll still be there just because, you know, he hasn't, you know, really done a lot yet. And also, you know, I think people are down on Tennessee's mm-hmm. offense after uh, Mariota didn't do very well last year. Okay. Uh, another guy who uh, showed up, he's a new team, um, Sammy Watkins 
Uh, let's talk about Sammy Watkins and Brandon Cooks. They both moved Cooks from New England to the Rams and Sammy from the Rams to the Chiefs. I would much rather have Brandon Cooks you know, with the Rams offense. Uh, yeah, I think you know, he stands a decent chance of being you know, the, the top receiver there. I mean, maybe it's Robert Wood, maybe it's Cooks, maybe it's Cooper Cup. But, you know, Cooks has at least a decent shot of being the top wide receiver in a high-octane offense with a quarterback who's been there for a couple of years now versus, mm-hmm. you know, you've got Patrick Mahomes who's uh, uber-talented, but, you know, we still don't know, you know how that's going to play out. And, you know, Watkins is not going to supplant uh, Tyreek Hill as the number one receiving option in Kansas City anytime soon. So you know, Okay, let's, let's talk about Hill. Um, I get various reports on him. Everything I read, he, he's either up in the tippy top, you know, t- maybe top seven wideouts, and then I see him not in the top seven wideouts. What's your sense of what? where is I'm more in the latter camp there. I'm probably have him ranked about 15th among my wide receivers you know, in a group with guys like uh, Devontae Adams, Marvin Jones, you know, even Brandon Cooks, you know, mm-hmm. throw him in there. Um, Mike Evans. Yeah. So yeah, I, I would, you know, definitely okay. um, not uh, as optimistic about Tyreek Hill as others, but, you know, yeah, I, I think he's clearly the best option on uh, Kansas city. All right. Let me throw two more names at you and uh, then we can move to tight ends. Um, Marquise Goodman, Goodwin's getting a lot of press out in San Francisco. Like he's for real. He's got the chemistry with Garoppolo. What do you think? I'm not as much on the Jimmy Garoppolo uh, train as others are. So I have San Francisco's offense, team offense ranked, and Garoppolo ranked a lot lower uh, than most people do. That said, um, I think Goodwin is probably their best receiving option this year. But again, you know, Pierre Garcon is still there and you know, did pretty well last year. So uh, I'm I'm not... Uh, I'm not going to reach to, to draft Goodwin. Mm-hmm. If Goodwin were still there in the you know, you know, 10th to 12th round, I would definitely consider him. But you know, my guess is he'll probably be gone again in that 6th uh, to 8th round range in, in most leagues. You know, conversely, okay. Garcon will probably still be there later on. And you know, If you're yeah. looking to round out a bench, I think he's a nice pickup in late rounds. How about, um, okay, here's a guy changing teams. Jarvis Landry um, got the ball a lot for Miami, and he's on Cleveland now. And uh, a lot of chatter about Cleveland is, is, his, is his value. Let's let's talk about him and Dem- Demarius Thomas, because Demarius Thomas now has a new quarterback in Case Keenum. How do you think those two guys will fare with their new situations, if you will? Um, Thomas, I think, will fare better than Landry, if I had to pick one or the other, Thomas is probably like in my 10th to 12th ranked wide receiver range. Landry more in the 15 to 20 range. But you know, I, I think people are um, underestimating Cleveland's offense this year. I know they're getting some buzz, but you know when you look at his stats and what he was able to do with a really awful Buffalo offense, you know when he wasn't getting benched, you know for stupid reasons. You know I think that. You know, Terod Taylor, you know, is a, is is an at least an average, maybe an above average fantasy quarterback, and I expect you know Jarvis Landry is 
uh, at least uh, a wide receiver too for for most fantasy teams this year. Okay. Um, and, and Thomas, yeah, I like more, and I think Case Keenum will do just fine in Denver. How about uh, Allen Robinson? New situation. Uh, he was on another, and we can talk about the Jacksonville receivers then. But Allen Robinson's on Chicago. He's the number one there. He was on Jacksonville, and he was hurt, I think, part of last year. Talk to us about uh, his, his your perception of him and his value, and also then what to do with the Jacksonville receivers now that Marquise Lee is gone. I think to answer the second question first, I think Keelan Cole is definitely you know the the, the main guy there, but you know don't sleep on D.D. Westbrook either, who isn't getting as much press, but will probably you know, still be there in the late rounds. And yeah, I think Jacksonville will probably have an average offense this year, which would be a big upgrade for them from seasons past. But you know, even if you go back and look at Blake Bortles' stats last year, they weren't as terrible as you might have you know, thought, you know, given how he's always bad-mouthed is sort of the mm-hmm. piece that right. keeps them from doing well. Yeah, I don't buy that, but uh, yeah, I, I think they're definitely going to ride their defense and, and Leonard Fournette, but uh, Keelan Cole and D.D. Westbrook could both be uh, nice additions to fantasy teams this year. Robinson, I have him ranked a little bit higher than Cole, but again, if I could, I would probably avoid any of the Chicago receivers you know, this year. Okay. Trubisky mm-hmm. hopefully will be better, but you know, they still have uh, – yeah, you know, Kevin White there, and they also have Anthony Wright there as an impressive rookie. So, excuse me, Anthony Miller. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I wouldn't reach for Robinson. Okay, let's move to tight end because we're running out of time. Um, you know, the standard consensus seems to be Gronk, and then Kelsey, and then I guess uh, Delaney Walker, uh, Jimmy Graham. Um, Zach Ertz, right? Is getting a lot of like number three hype there. Um, what's your sense about Gronk? Because uh, a lot of times when you're in a snake draft, coming around the turn, you have to make a decision between Gronk and one of the, you know, like an A.J. Green type of guy. And he does have a, he, you know, when you have a great tight end, it makes a difference because it's a position that doesn't normally give you that many points, but it becoming more and more prominent. And he's a, he's a stud, but he gets hurt. What's your whole strategy when it comes to tight ends and your sense of like the Gronk-Kels uh, dyna- dynamic? Yeah, I'm generally, I don't think there's as much separation between you know, Ertz and Gronkowski and Kelsey as there is somebody like Delaney Walker, who I could take much later in the draft. And you've got guys like you know, Evan Ingram, if he's healthy, Kyle Rudolph, Austin Hooper, you know, guys like that that you know, you know, are going to be you know, more than serviceable this year's tight ends. They won't be as good as you know, the three you mentioned or the three we were just discussing. But, you know, given where you have to take Kelsey or Gronkowski, I'd much rather you know, spend that pick on a wide receiver who probably has a higher ceiling at that point in the draft than, uh, mm-hmm. than, than those three guys would. Okay. Um, let's move quickly to, um, you know, some names that uh, you think these are guys that uh, I don't want to call them necessarily sleepers, but, maybe guys that we weren't really talking about that could be really special. It was interesting. I was watching uh, Peter King uh, on NBC the other day on online. And uh, he said, the one guy out of the entire NFL that you should have on your fantasy team. Now he didn't get into what the value should be, but he said, John Brown on, on the Ravens impressed him more than any other player. Who are Uh, your guys? 
And what do you think of John Brown? John Brown, I I don't know. I, I'd much rather have Michael Crabtree. You know, if you want to spend a mm-hmm. you know a speculative pick on him at the end of the draft, go ahead. But I think you'll probably be disappointed. Some sleepers for me, just quickly by position. Uh, um, Derek Henry in Tennessee. I know you know people are writing him off because they signed Deion Lewis, but mm-hmm. I think he's still going to get the bulk of the carries there. Christian McCaffrey wouldn't surprise me if he's a top ten running back. Wide receivers. You know, we already talked about Corey Davis and Keelan Cole. Uh, quarterbacks, you know, Alex Smith in Washington is the guy, Dak Prescott in Dallas, that we haven't uh, touched on that will both be available late in drafts. Um, tight ends, looking at guys like David Njoku with Cleveland, George Kittle with San Francisco, and Trey Burton with Chicago. Great. Okay, how about uh, anything on defenses at all? We won't, we won't bother um, with kickers. No, it, and just general strategy defenses I take, kickers I take in the last round, defenses in the second to last round. I mean, it seems like Jacksonville and the Rams should be, at least on paper, the two best defenses this year. But, you know, Chargers, Steelers, Eagles, all good too. But again, you know, I think, you know, defenses are not going to win you a fantasy championship. So, you know, you're better off, again, trying to pick that extra running back or wide receiver that might turn into the difference maker in your league and, you know, just, you know, grab a serviceable defense at the end and play matchups from week to week if you have to. Got it. Okay. Anything else we should know, Scott? Um, no, I, I just, uh, again, thanks. If I can just <laughs> plug my stuff real quick, uh, fantasyfootballsherpa.com is my website. Uh, I'm on Twitter at fantasy underscore Sherpa. I have a fantasy football Sherpa Facebook page. And as you alluded to, uh, my, partner Janet Kimmel and I are doing our fourth and inches show with Janet and the Sherpa on blog talk radio Wednesday night, uh, now in our ninth season and uh, over 150 shows enrolling. Okay. What time is the show? Cause I'm going to listen uh, as I usually probably do. 830, probably 830 or 9 PM on Wednesday nights. We're still finalizing that, but uh, it's, it's Wednesday nights around that time. Got it. Okay. Fantastic. Well, listen, great speaking to you. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom Best of luck uh, in your uh, fantasy life and in your personal life also. I hope everything's well, and I love it when you come on the show and uh, educate our audience and share your wisdom. Thanks, Robert. It's always a lot of fun, and uh, good luck to you uh, both with uh, fantasy football and uh, with your family too. All right. Thanks so much, Scott. Be well. Okay, folks, that's our show for this evening. The first show back on Guys Guys Radio after a long summer and one of my favorites, and it lived up to all expectations. I wish everybody great luck in your drafts for fantasy. Um, Again, check out Scott's show, Fourth and Inches, his podcast every Wednesday night on Blog Talk Radio. And then we're going to be on twice a week now um, throughout the fall. I'm booked guests right into November now, so we're going to be on Wednesday nights at 7 and Sunday nights at 8. And we really look forward to it. And uh, we'll be promoting it, of course, across social media. So you can catch me there. I don't have to get into more of that. And uh, like I always like to say, thank you. And remember that guys, guys, finish first.